This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Insider Radio, The Jake and Josh Show, is SB Nation's official podcast about your Miami Dolphins. Check out Finsider.com for more Miami Dolphins content and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with us on Twitter. Jake can be found at jmendel94. Josh can be found at H-O-U-T-Z or just house. The show is made possible by Dolphins everywhere, so be sure to rate and comment, share your thoughts, and let us know how we are doing. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome into Finsider Radio, and it is another week. That means it is time for another Miami Dolphins loss. Welcome into Finsider Radio. And Josh, before we get into the doom and gloom, the sorrow that is the Miami Dolphins, I'm just going to put this out here. Let's start with the good. We'll do a little good cop, bad cop here. Tom Brady came out and said the worst games of his career were against those two early 2000s Miami Dolphins. And Josh, as Miami Dolphins fans, there's nothing we do better than live in the past. So I thought we'd sit here. Reminisce about Zach Thomas and Jason Taylor for a minute before we get into what the Dolphins are doing currently. I'm all for that, Jake. I remember those days. I mean, that was the good old days. That defense was um, on a whole different level. But I mean, like you said, the Dolphins fans love to live in the past. And when I heard that yesterday, I was just like, okay, that's great. But what have they done 20 years since? So great that we caused them a fit many years ago, but it really didn't matter anymore. Yeah, he's still causing fits for the entire NFL these 600 days. touchdown passes too, right? And did you see all that stuff that he had to give up to get that ball back? That was insane. Did you think he gave up a lot? Because what, originally the, so Mike Evans caught the ball. He actually placed the ball in the 
ground, went back and repicked the ball, which there I thought he assumed he knew it was a 600th, but he picked it up to go give it to a fan in the crowd wearing a Mike Evans jersey. So, I, Josh, what was it? I think he got two signed Brady jerseys. He got the Mike Evans game-worn cleats, season tickets for the rest of this year and next, $1,000 at the team store. Would you have been happy with that deal? I mean, I probably would have asked for more, but I don't know if you saw it, but someone said he also threw in a Bitcoin. So that's a little bit of a game changer there. And yep. um, I, I think it's just crazy. You know, you're in the right place at the right time and your entire life has changed because, you know, Mike Evans threw you a football. Yeah, it happened to be wearing his jersey. It's kind of like playing, you know, DraftKings or FanDuel in a sense, right? Whose jersey should I wear in case they score a touchdown? They're going to come find me to uh, come get this ball. I mean, for me, you'd have to go with like a Jason Sanders or something. So if he scored a touchdown, I mean, who else would be wearing a Jason Sanders jersey? Uh, I don't think he'd be able to give me Mrs. a Bitcoin. Though. Mrs. I, don't, Sa- I don't think Mrs. that'd even Sanders. be on the table. No, Matt Hawk could throw him a touchdown pass, right? Isn't that how it went? Something <laughs> like that. And we do miss him. We do miss him. Yeah, so Josh, let's knock that out real quick. Michael Pilardi, uh, he's getting a little competition, it looks like, and the competition is coming straight out of Whoville. Straight out of Whoville. I mean, we joked about it, and maybe we shouldn't, but I, I had to post a picture of him because, I mean, he does look like a Who, man. He looks like straight out of that Grinch movie, and um, we talked about it on a few podcasts from Mike Pilardi, you know, he was pretty well-respected. You know, when he signed with the Dolphins, he's been pretty dismal lately. So to bring in some competition, if for anything to light a spark under his ass, I'm all for that. Yeah, and it's just a small blip on the radar that is Miami Dolphins struggling to really have a smooth transition in the offseason. So here we go, Josh. Let's get into it. We've, we've avoided it for the first five minutes here, but I think we got to talk about it. The Dolphins fall to one and six. They lose their sixth straight game and fall to 0 and three at home on another last second field goal. The Miami Dolphins currently rank 24th in total offense, 32nd in total defense. Miami Hills lost three games, Josh, on the final on final play field goals. It should have been four when you think about that Patriots game. And when I was sitting there watching Cordero Patterson run this team down to uh, kick that field goal, as I saw. Kyle Pitts just dominate Eric Rowe and whoever else the Dolphins tried to put him on one-in-one coverage is. This team reminds me so much of that 2006 squad that went to the playoffs. And that might sound crazy, but when you go back and look at that team in terms of like DVOA and and just general statistics, that team wasn't good, Josh. They won a lot of games on those last second field goals. Jay Ajayi came out and had like incredible, you know, 300-yard games. I think he had four straight 200-yard games. But even then, these were never games the Dolphins solidified themselves as a strong team, right? There was always that turnover luck involved. And this is what the Dolphins have started to feel like, especially this year. However, it's obviously on the other side of those results. And it just kind of goes to what Brian Flores has been saying the last couple of weeks, how small the margin of error is. Obviously, you can make that margin of error grow a little bit if you play well. Uh, but for the sake of a uh, struggling team trying to pick up wins, I mean, it's the same exact situation, in my opinion. I completely agree. And, you know, we've heard it for how many years, you know, it's football is a game of inches. I mean, we're literally a Damian Harris fumble away from being winless. So, I mean, it really is. And like you said, I mean, these games could have went either way, Jake. I think the thing that jumped out to me most was this team looked pretty good coming out of the gate. And I just can't, I really can't wrap my head around, you know, those scripted plays at the beginning of the game, just how much different this offense looks you know, before the game in that first drive. And then after the half in that first drive coming out, I mean, those scripted plays, they look like an entirely different team. They jumped out to that early seven, nothing lead. Isaiah Ford called his first career touchdown pass. So uh, I just want to make sure we threw that out there. Chris, you bring that up. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I, I, I was even shocked by that. I mean, he's been up and down this roster so many times. I mean, to find out that was his first touchdown. I mean, that was crazy to me, but um, the dolphins jumped out to that early lead. And then it just seemed like everything was downhill from there. Yeah. Josh, I I think I tweeted the stat 
in all three of Tua's start and three of four Tua's starts when you know his ribs aren't being blown up, uh, they've scored touchdowns on those opening drives. And I don't we're gonna get into the full Tua talk in a couple minutes here, but it kind of brings up the question that we had in 2020 and that Chad O'Shea offense that you know, the rumor was it was too hard for teams or players on the team to comprehend. And the reason I bring that up is because this team, when they go through those 20 scripted plays, those are the plays you practice all week to kind of come out there and set the tone early. And then you bring up an interesting little ripple that was when Tua threw one of those interceptions into the end zone to Durham Smythe. Tua came out and said there was some miscommunication because it was a cover two, and I probably should have said it, made it more obvious, uh, but it was something where Smythe should have known that he probably didn't run the right route. And that's what I wonder if everything's a little too complex for some of these guys they have playing big roles on this offense, just for the sake of you have issues like that, where, you know, you should have some guys occasionally open in the back of the end zone who can kind of break off the route and understand how defenses are, are playing. You know, we hear over and over again, how this team is taking what defenses are giving them and that's that was a situation where I don't know if the players understood how to use the offense to their advantage. The biggest thing to me with that Smythe interception was why was he out there? Why wasn't that a play, you know, designed to Mike Gesicki and you're right. Mm-hmm. You rounded that, you know, that route off and it led to the interception. So bad throw from Tua, bad play by Smythe, but let's jump back into some of the positives, Jake, from yesterday, before we get into all the Tua talk, cause I could sit here and talk all day and night about Tua um, pro football focus again, take them with a grain of salt, but their highest rated dolphin in week seven was Emmanuel Agua with a 90.9. Jalen Waddle with an 86.8, Tua Tungavalo with an 84.5, Durham Smythe with an 80.6, and Xavier Howard with a 78.9. So, um, Jake, I don't know where you want to go with this, but the thing that jumps out to me is, again, Emmanuel Agba just being that you know, presence off the edge that, you know, we look at this defense, and they're they're struggling to get pressure at the quarterback. I mean, yes, Jalen Phillips only played 15 snaps. You know, there's other factors that come into play here, but Emmanuel Agba has been an absolute beast what he does off the edge. And, you know, he's good against the run, gets the quarterback. I don't know about you, but at some point I'm waiting for this extension to happen because every time he goes out in the field, you know, his contract just goes up. And at 27 years old, when you look at his defense, who can't create pressure, losing an Emmanuel Agba in free agency. I mean, is that not how this entire season kind of went in a downward spiral? Once you got rid of some of those veterans, I want to see Emmanuel Agba sign with the Dolphins long-term. So Miami's Agba's third team. He jumped around uh, from Cleveland and, and I forgot he, Kansas city, I think was the Chiefs, other place. Yeah. Uh, but these numbers are so interesting to me, Josh, because we've had different weeks where we bring up different players early in the season. It was Byron Jones where we'd say, well, so-and-so is playing very well. I mean, for weeks we were talking about how well, and, and they still could be but playing well in terms of Christian Wilk and Zach Steeler, these guys up front, like, you know, we, we saw these stats come out. Uh, but then you bring up the question of why is this defense continue to be so bad if we could bring up these isolated players who are playing well? And I guess the concern with Agba, and I don't know if analytics are going to play a role with this, but this is that, you know, he seems like one of those players who you need to go put in the right system. You see why he was drafted. I think he was like a second or third round pick in the NFL. Uh, but these numbers are kind of that hint that, hey, if you can put pressure on that other side, maybe something special can happen, right? We saw the nine sacks last season. And I think he just works so well in this defense where you need to do talk about giving him that contract extension. However, Josh, I think if another team was to pay up for someone like Emmanuel Agba, I don't know if he'd perform as well at elsewhere, given his history. And then you bring up Jalen Phillips. I mean, the Dolphins spent a first round pick to have him be that pass rusher, but they want him to be so much more where he can't just focus on, you know, pitting the ears back. And you mentioned him playing 15 snaps. I think it was mentioned on Monday that the coaches said 
without saying that he was dealing with an ankle injury. And that kind of is a, a major part to why they limited his snaps. You're right, Jake. I mean, uh, Emmanuel Agba was the 32nd overall pick in the 2016 NFL draft. You know, I, again, I just hope that he can be that presence in the defense long-term. You mentioned Jalen Phillips. I just cannot understand why they only playing 15 snaps. I guess a lot of that might've been the way they game plan for the Atlanta Falcons. You know, they expect them to run the ball. And let's be honest, that's one of the things Phillips struggles at. I mean, we saw him in college get gashed against North Carolina. We've seen him throughout the weeks, you know, be a liability. So maybe that was why he wasn't getting those reps. Um, and again, I think it goes back to what this defense truly needs is a linebacker in the middle of this defense. Yeah, the linebackers really, it's like the sandcastle. Once that goes, I mean, you have no progress to show for, right? It just gets washed away right in the middle there. Uh, so let, let's get into it because the Dolphins here had three players uh, with a grade of 80 overall. And I thought, Josh, overall, the defense played pretty well. And let's just dive right into it. Let, let's talk a little bit about, a little bit about Tua. Uh, some promising things. Let's start there. I think that's always the best way to have these conversations. Uh, all these are pro football focus. The lowest percentage of pressure dropbacks that turn into sacks. Uh, 12% for Tua is actually the sixth lowest in the NFL. Uh, the lowest percentage of uncatchable balls in week seven, Tua was fourth at 10%. And then the highest graded quarterbacks in week seven overall, Tua's 84 was fifth behind Tannehill, Murray, Rodgers, and Carr. So Josh, umbrella statement, I thought Tua played decently well, and he was relatively fun to watch on Sunday. I think that is a nice jumping off point. Um, I, I agree. I mean, I sat here and I said that I think this might have been arguably his best performance. I looked at the one last week. I mean, those are two of the better performances he had. And whether it's pre-FF grades, whether whether it's sports info, I mean, I have George Ford retweeted out earlier today. Uh, I know some people don't believe in PFF's data. But according to Sports Info Solutions, Tua was on target for 97.5 of his passes against Atlanta. Obviously, the one to Jalen Waddle that was picked. I mean, we'll talk about the interceptions then. But, Jake, I mean, I just think from a, a pure standpoint of just understanding the offense and knowing exactly where he needs to be and, you know, understanding his reads. I mean, that's been the biggest one of the biggest concerns with Tua is just, you know, they talk about his IQ and whether or not he's can understand the NFL game. I mean, we saw it on Sunday when he went out there again, he looked like a surgeon picked apart this defense. And when you were without some of those, you know, a Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, I mean, he made Matt Collins look like a legit receiver. Jalen Waddle looked like the playmaker that he is. I mean, he was making chicken salad out of chicken shit. Like we've heard week after week. And um, again, all we could have asked for from last week was him to build on that performance. I thought he did everything he, we asked of him and more. And, Again, he put the Dolphins in the situation to win that game, completed 32 of 40 passes, 291 yards, and the four touchdowns, Jake. I mean, what did he need to do? Throw that fifth touchdown? I mean, what more could have you have asked for? We asked last week, put the ball into his hands with the game on the line. The Dolphins gave him the chance, drove downfield, scored the touchdown. What more could you ask for, Jake? What more could you ask for? I guess I'm going to have to tell you, Josh, because this is where the Tua tug of war kind of lives on where there's that war. did you do that on purpose that is i damn. did i did that uh, that just kind of came to me i'm gonna pat myself on the back of that one because we'll use that that, that might be the uh that title. might just be our show title we'll right use there that a title for sure yeah <laughs> so josh i mean we knew what tool was coming out of college and we've seen that you know the the card dealer right he's at the blackjack table just tossing cards left and right Gans but it. the one consent the the one consistent trend that i'm starting to see is Two plays, three plays a game where it isn't just he makes the wrong choice. He makes just a choice that, you know, it's a knucklehead choice where it kind of is a very bad in interception to a linebacker. And you just kind of don't know where that ceiling is, right? Yes, the four touchdowns were awesome. These two games have done everything for me to say for the rest of this season, at least, we should not make a move at quarterback. I want to see this develop for at least the rest of this year. 
we could have this talk again at the, the end of the season, but I do understand the fact that we should still have that talk at the end of the season, just for the sake of, if you're going to have a quarterback who the deep ball hasn't been there and you can mention it because of Devante Parker, it could be because of Will Fuller and we might be a hundred percent correct, correct, but we don't necessarily know that. And we do know that Tua's offense is built around 10, 15 yards, the nickel and dime, the dink and dunk. And we can't really say that in a negative sense because Mike Kosicki, Jalen Waddell, Durham Smith, and Salvan Ahmed all averaged over 10 yards of reception. But when you're flirting with every reception being 15, 20 yards, and you have to go all the way down the field, and you can't get like a 60-yard chunk play, whether it's because your running backs aren't good or if you don't have that big play threat, one of those mistakes is worth 40% of your overall grade, where every completion's worth 60%. You know, So those two interceptions just kind of weigh so much more when you can't just you know, snap your fingers and and hit a 60 yard bomb to change the field where, you know, you have to work your way down the field. And that's why you get a little concerned when you have Austin Jackson with six flags and seven games, I think it is at this point and how that can derail drives simply because the Dolphins offense looks like one that cannot really make these game changing plays on their own. They can't really take advantage of defenses to make that, you know, knockout move. So what I do see now is a quarterback that is, has a strong grasp of the offense. He can make those other players look better. His stats, I mean, seven touchdowns in in two games, Josh, you can't ask for more than that. But I still had that little bit of concern when you are leaning on someone like Tua, who isn't that gunslinger, who needs to be perfect. If he has those two drive killers, you know, especially in the red zone, especially in the end zone, you wonder where that ceiling is, if he can be that guy to bring you back from, you know, 21 down, because I mean, Brett Favre, if he throws two interceptions, you know, he is going to consistently try to get to that four or five touchdowns. And you know, he's capable of it each and every week. And, you know, maybe, and I'm probably going to take a lot of slack for this, but maybe some of those deep balls, it is because of his arm strength. I mean, uh, you know, he doesn't have that rocket. Everything arm like looks hard. It does. It looks like he's almost pushing the ball and it just looks like he's, yeah. I mean, we saw the interception last week where he tried to fit that one and just severely underthrew it. So I don't know what it is, Jake, but I like how you brought up these plays because um, it was one of the things I wanted to make sure I talked about, because like you said, every game, it seems for, no matter how well he plays, he has those one or two plays that just make you question everything. I wrote down, it makes you question life itself. Like it makes you wonder <laughs> if, if Tua is really the guy. And I mean, that's why all this noise and all this, this outside stuff is really, you know, festered and became what it is is because you know he does make those boneheaded plays so um i I think the biggest thing is the way he bounced back and i mean we love to see the way he bounced back in this game again he did everything he could to put the dolphins at least in my opinion other than those interceptions to give the dolphins a chance to win i think the biggest thing from his game jake um i mean his pocket presence is unbelievable. I mean, I don't know that we've ever seen a quarterback in many years, you know, move around the pocket the way he does, but it was just what he could do with his legs. I mean, that opened up an entirely different dynamic to this game. He only carried the ball four times for 29 yards. I mean, I guess it felt like more than that, but he he broke ankles. He was trucking through players. And I mean, we went back to the Greg Jennings thing a couple of podcasts ago. He tried to put this team on his back and do everything he could. So um, lots of growing pains want to get rid of those boneheaded plays because until you do, I mean, the questions are still going to continue to surround to a tongue of a little But uh, again, I thought he played well, did everything he could. And I really want to know what's going on with the offensive play calling. I mean, was this a Charlie Fry game? Was this Godsey calling plays? I mean, who was in charge of this? Because, I mean, the offense did 
look a little bit better. But again, when you're playing the Jags one week, now you're playing the Atlanta Falcons. Those are not two premier defenses. So um, I, yep. I want to see what he does next week against Buffalo. And I think a lot of people do. And uh, I think that's what I hate so much about just the way we teeter and totter because Tua's looked great these last two games. I mean, you saw it on Twitter. Everyone wanted Deshaun Watson when Tua hurt his ribs. Now everybody's back on Tua. If he goes out there and performs poorly against Buffalo, everyone's just going to jump yep. down his throat again. And that's just not the way it should be. He's played 13 games in his NFL career. Give the guy some time. But when he's going out there and making those interceptions, you know, like, I, I mean, literally, Jake, you get a turnover, you get the ball back. Back-to-back back weeks, and he the first play, first down, he throws it. Right at an interception. <laughs> yeah, right at the guy. And, I mean, you can sit here and defend him all you want, but what the hell, man? Like, that's something we yep. would have done. You would have gave us yeah. as in the helmet and go out there and try to, you know, hit Jalen Wilde down the left side or Durham Smythe in triple coverage. We're going to throw that same floppy noodle that he did, and he needs to get over that. So, uh, I hate that we were supposed to be talking good about Tua and somehow went into this, but I liked what we saw from him. Hope he builds on that and hope he can at least compete with Buffalo because that is all anyone's going to care about is what he does next week. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito And this might say we're like asking too much of them, but you think about if there are three throws that, you know, just drop and hit the ground in the last two weeks, Josh, that's the difference between Tua being, you know, rated in this like top five area to probably top two or three. So the variance is very small, but again, that's kind of what the issue is when you have a offense that, you know, you need to be perfect. You need to keep moving the chains. So Josh, I did write down here that Jalen Waddle and Mike Gusecki are, are a couple of the things on this team that actually gives me joy because there is a lot of depression, uh, a lot of darkness, but Mike Gusecki continues to be an absolute stud caught seven of eight targets, which is actually identical for Jalen Waddle. You can tell that these two, guys were scripted in and it goes back to why I've always been a big fan of Devante Parker is because he's a guy where it's you know third and six third and seven everyone on the defense knows where the ball's going but if a playmaker or receiver can still make the play can make a reception over someone moss a guy in the end zone like Mike Gesicki did that is somebody you need on your team I mean that is just such a powerful powerful tool for uh Tua, especially when he can be this clean, if you give the ball to Mike Gesicki clean seven times, if you give it to Jalen Waddle clean seven times, you see the success. And this is also, again, I, as much as we try to kind of be comfortable with the Dolphins are doing at running back, you see the difference. You know, Miles Gaskin, he had four receptions, Josh, 
for 10 yards with a long of seven. That means there are three receptions for three yards. That just kind of tells you the difference of, uh, in terms of playmaker that Jalen Waddle and Mike Asicki is. Of course, we can say that, well, you know, there's always a guy on Gaskin. There just seem to be screens or situations where he's one and one in the open field where he doesn't make that one break that you kind of expect from a, you know, pass catcher, not a running back, not a wide receiver, just someone who's going to catch the ball. I'm with you. And I think, you know, when you look at this offense, if we had it in two or three Jalen Waddles, you know, another Mike Kosicki, I mean, we'd be feeling pretty good about the future. But yeah. I think right now, Jalen Waddles, like the only receiver under contract or something crazy. And we know Mike Kosicki is going to get a huge payday. But I, I liked what I saw to Mike Kosicki. I mean, he's starting to, again, look like 100%. a true superstar. I mean, he's unguardable at times. I mean, we saw that one play in the end zone, that touchdown pass. I mean, Tua put that ball exactly where he could get it. I mean, he just looked like a, a grown up, just, you know, catching a so ball easy. over two, two small children. I mean, that's what you want out of your playmaking tight end caught seven of eight targets for 85 yards. You probably mentioned that, but Jalen Waddle, Jake, I mean, I still am waiting to see this big play. I mean, yes, I love the way they fabricate these screens and, you know, all the motion they're doing with him. I like a lot of that, but when you're not giving him the chance to, you know, take the top off the defense or, you know, maybe this goes back to Tua. Maybe this is more of a Tua thing, just not letting it rip. I mean, we've seen the plays where, you know, Jalen Waddle breaks free, whatever it is. I want to see Jalen Waddle use that speed that made him, you know, the fifth overall, made the Dolphins trade up to get him. I mean, we're sitting here talking now about Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, you know, did the Dolphins make the right choice? Jalen Waddle takes the top off a of defense one time for a 69-yard touchdown or something. You know, everyone's going to be silent. Um, you mentioned Miles Gaskin. I'm stoked. I can't say I'm stoked, but um, with Malcolm Brown going on IR, I'm excited to see what Miles Gaskin do moving forward. I mean, those should be some of those touches that they were giving elsewhere. Let Miles Gaskin, Salvin Ahmed, let them be those that two-headed monster. I mean, I don't know where they go also, Jake. Do they promote Jared Dokes? Is he going to be, you know, that practice squad guy that everyone loves this year? I mean, I don't know what they do, but uh, Miles Gaskin, 15 carries, 67 yards, Four and a half yards per carry. I mean, that's decent, but you still need more out of the position. Yeah. And I think Sylvain Ahmed's the interesting one here. And the key to keep in mind here is when we kind of say what his deal can be with this offense, it is in the context that this was an undrafted rookie a year ago. I mean, he had two, he caught both balls for 26 yards. He had some juice. Uh, running the ball. He had a little bit of speed to him. So I think he might be that guy to step up and Jared Dokes. I mean, this is right out of the Dolphins camp of developing running backs. You draft a seventh round guy and stop. That's, that's the full sentence. Uh, a couple depressing notes, Josh Preston Williams, one reception on four targets. I mean, I think he took as many steps uh, going backwards on that one reception as he did targets on the day. It seemed like this was someone who uh, was expecting to be able to do more with the ball in his hands than he was actually able to do. Yeah. And I don't know if about you, but the one that was the most frustrating, I think came late in the game, he dropped the pass and he was the DB said something to him and he had this huge smile on his face. And I mean, your team's down, you just dropped the pass. That's the last thing you want to see. So yeah. I think we probably gave up on the unicorn last week, said we were going to shoot him to the moon at this point. I mean, he, I don't want to say he's useless, but I think I've seen enough. And my love for Preston Williams has slowly faded. Yes, but I mean, Isaiah Ford, first career touchdown. Durham Smythe, three of four targets for 37 yards. Josh, we can play the I told you so's or, you know, hindsight 2020. But I mean, I'm not saying Jalen Phillips is going to be bad. But for the sake of this season, man, I don't know why you drafted Jalen Phillips when you're this desperate at running back. I think Najee Harris would fit in. I mean, you see what he's doing in Pittsburgh and a bad offensive line. I mean, I feel like maybe just for like the sense of this season, I think Najee Harris would have been a better pick. Uh, If we're having this conversation or two or three years down the road, it could certainly be Jalen Phillips and, you know, great choice and all that stuff. But in terms of just, you know, six, seven games into their career, I think he would have helped the team more. And then when you see the, you know, four targets for Durham Smythe, Josh, 
I got to ask you, man, the Hunter Long pick, the Noah Igbenogany pick, some of these things, it just seems like the team building, you're just building it in such an unbalanced way at this point. Yeah, maybe you drafted Hunter Long because you wanted to see if he could fill that role with Gasicki once he moved on, or I don't know what it is, but the, the drafting has just been bad, Jake. You mentioned Najee Harris. He would absolutely have changed this offense. I mean, this offense would look night and day with Najee Harris in there, and it would definitely make things easier on everyone else. So I don't know. This just goes back to who who are we blaming? You know, is it Chris Greer? Is it is it Brian Flores? It seems like every time they draft a player, they're looking at the finished product or, you know, what they could become if everything goes perfect. They need to stop right. overthinking things and just, and just make the pick. Yeah, you know, and there are times where you want the, you know, go for that home run, that guy who's going to be with your team for 19 years. But sometimes you need Joey Porter, who's going to come in for two years and have 15 sacks. And, you know, you guys go your separate ways. Like in theory, like you always want to have the guy who's going to be that franchise cornerstone. But but sometimes the timing and everything else doesn't seem to work. And that might be Miami's biggest issue. And I would actually, you know, now that we talk about it, that's pretty interesting. And I'd like to get more into this. Uh, sometime in the future. But Josh, let's wrap it up here. Just a couple notes on the defense because we spent all this talk about two on the offense because that was actually fun. I mean, this defense is downright dreadful. You know, Jags, you're giving up, you're letting them walk up and down the field. You're letting the Falcons walk up and down the field. These aren't good teams and they're making the Dolphins defense still look like toilet paper. It hasn't all been toilet paper. I mean, like we mentioned before, Christian Wilkins has looked good. I mean, he's looked great this year. Emmanuel Agba, mm-hmm. some pieces here and there. But, I mean, this defense has been atrocious, and a lot of it's been the secondary. You got Byron Jones, who's ranked 73rd cornerback on PFF this season, and he's the sixth highest paid in the NFL. Um, Xavier Howard, I mean, we saw him. He, I think he only gave up one target, but, I mean, he looked like a – I don't want to say a liability, but that Russell Gage touchdown, I remember they said Javon Holland, you know, I guess he came down a little bit, probably should have had deeper coverage, but Xavier Howard was trailing that entire time. And he just looked like he did not even try to stop that ball. So I don't know what it is, Jake. I mean, it's just a downward spiral. I mean, everything just seems to be going wrong for the Dolphins defensively. And, you know, when you have those high paid secondary, when you have a Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, no one should be making catches. I mean, are we? I mean, no one should be going out there making big plays and week after week, we've seen it happen. Yeah. And, you know, might be a little harsh on Xavier Howard. I think that was he only gave up one reception on eight targets. But it's important to keep in mind, Josh, you're, you're right to the extent of he only needed one reception to give up six points where each of those, you know, past offenses or, or, you know, knocking down a pass, whatever it may be, that only counts till next down, right? So, I mean, the, the context of the one reception just hurt the Dolphins so much, especially when it was this type of defense that was bend, don't break, we're better in the red zone. And, and that's just not what the team has been. Josh, this one probably hurts you more than anyone else. And I mean, you deserve the I told you so. Uh, go up on top of the largest mountain you can find and just scream it into the distance because Landon Roberts rates 74th among 85 linebackers on pro football focus. He's the 10th worst run defending linebacker in football. And it, he, like I said, I mean, he, the sandcastle, man, it's water. Once he's wiped out, there's nothing left. I thought you were going to set reset me up for the Bernard Rick McKinney. I mean, I know, I oh, yes, I was. That, but it was, it was only 11 reps. So I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to pat myself on the back too much, but I, again, I'd much rather have Bernard Rick McKinney um, in this lineup instead of Landon Roberts. One thing I found, what did he do? Where is he now? Sh- share that in case people didn't see it. He's signed with the giants. And I think he played 11 reps, came away the PFF grade of 90 point something against the run. So, um, you know, we talked about all offseason what he could do to this defense, you know, that one, particular aspect against the run and it's what the dolphins truly need and 
Uh, now he's with the Giants. One thing I found interesting that I want to mention, Jake, was when Jerome Baker got hurt, they said Sam McGuavin was calling plays. So I don't know, are uh, relaying plays, you know, from Josh Boyer to the rest of the team. So I, I don't know what that means. I just thought it was a little bit interesting. Um, and then you also have written down here. Jason McCourty had a 114.6 passer rating in his coverage area. He left the game and likely needs foot surgery. It does sound like McCourty will be joining uh, Malcolm Brown in the IR for at least three weeks. So uh, we'll see if we can get him back. I mean, I, that's a veteran presence in that secondary. So it'd be nice to see him. Speaking of secondary, Jake, we weren't even going to mention it. Sheldrick Redwine, the Miami Dolphins, uh, poached him from the Carolina Panthers practice squad. Drafted by the Cleveland Browns a few years ago. Played a little bit throughout the league, but he's a safety. Miami Hurricane, hometown kid. Dolphins poached him. We'll see what that uh, translates to. But, you know, again, when the secondary's been playing like they have, Brian Flores, Josh Boyer, they're trying to find every acorn they can, especially defensive backs. And, you know, man, Javon Holland played well, but I don't know if it's him you're getting concerned for or Brandon Jones, but, I mean, these were two hand-plucked guys. Top three, you know, you're drafting guys in the first three rounds. Yes, they're young, but, I mean, uh, Brandon Jones hasn't looked like the same player he was last year. That's for sure. And both of these guys can kind of be taken advantage of a little bit in past coverage. But again, I, I don't know if we brought this up before, but I think Holland had the first sack of his career on Sunday. So it kind of fits that Rashad Jones role, but we, we, we desperately need that Bobby McCain role. And, and I just don't think the roster has anyone like that. You're right. I mean, we see it with whether it's Bobby McCain, you know, Kyle Van Noy, Shaq Lawson, the Dolphins definitely those veteran presence. You mentioned Javon Holland. We have talked about that hit stick because, I mean, that thing was a thing of beauty. He laid the wood on, I think it was Calvin Ridley, broke up that pass. Awesome play, but, I mean, there's definitely some communication issues there, definitely some coverage issues there. And, you know, when you have a young player like Javon Holland, those things will hopefully sort themselves out and he'll become the player we expect. Jake, one quick thing before we wrap it up, because, I mean, we almost have to talk about it, but Ian Rappaport tweeted at 12.47 p.m., Dolphins owner Stephen Ross laughed when he saw reporters waiting for him at the league meeting. I know what it's about, and I'm not dealing with it, he said, and that was it. So, um, again, any day now we're expecting to hear word about Deshaun Watson. Uh, Stephen Ross gave some shed some light on the situation, so I just thought it was interesting to throw out there. Yeah, and I think it actually came out yesterday, too, a report that Ross isn't pushing for Watson. You could say that means he's not pushing for Watson. You could say it means that this is Miami's way of trying to, you know, put out some fires and the PR just kind of boil it down a little bit, uh, make it seem like they're not so desperate to trade from him. Truthfully, late. dude, we have we have no idea. We can only go with the the information we have, and that's simply that nothing's happened yet, and there's just been a lot of smoke for a very long time. It could just be a Snoop Dogg concert at this point. I don't know. Hey, that would be awesome because we'd all be happy and smiling from ear to ear. Um, I guess, you know, the, the one thing we didn't mention is I don't know if you saw Jake, but at the end of that game on Sunday, you know, Tua was talking to the media. He was asked lots of questions about Watson. And he said, I did appreciate, you know, Brian Flores transparency through all this. You know, he talks to Chris Greer. Then he talks to me about things. So the way it sounded to me was, you know, the Dolphins absolutely have had trade talks. You know, Tua absolutely yep. knows that they're he's been told you know, about them, at yeah. least engaging in it. So, I mean, I thought that was interesting. Last but not least, CK Parrott of three yards per carry just tweeted out among quarterbacks with at least 90 pass attempts between 1994 and 2021, Tua Tungavailoa currently has the highest fourth quarter passer rating ever, ever. Man, he's, so, been, he's been fun to propaganda. watch. Propaganda, let's I, just, yeah. We, we don't know if he's the guy. He's I don't think either of us can really stomp our foot down, but, but man, I mean, I, I don't know how you don't give him the rest of the year, all things considered in this specific scenario. And that's all we've ever asked. I mean, it goes back to, you know, you get too high with his highs and too low with his lows. And that's just not what this fan base, yeah, Tua. That's not what this fan base should do. I mean, let's see what Tua can do the rest of the season. Cause like we saw, you know, last week against Jacksonville, this week against Atlanta, he's a pretty damn good NFL quarterback when you give him time and allow him to do the things that he does. Josh, 
As we wrap this up, you can be found on Twitter at H-O-U-T-Z for Houts. I'm at jmendel94. And man, I got to say, you know, I, I'll say it to the blue and to I'm blue in the face that, you know, if the Dolphins decide to go after Aaron Rodgers or whatever may happen this offseason, I'm, I'm all ears. But coming in and talking this show, having the positives to talk about that we did and, you know, the Mike Asicki having a great day, Jalen Waddle having a great day. This stuff wouldn't be possible without Tua. So I hope this is kind of the direction we go in the rest of the year uh, where we can kind of shed some light on some interesting storylines about this team growing because we haven't seen that growth so far this season. Sunday, man, it's it's going to be a big test and it's, it's going to be very loud if Tua goes into Buffalo and struggles. I mean, that's kind of what we expect, but I mean, that's the NFL. It's not supposed to be fair. Josh, how about you take us out of here? I, I've talked a lot today and uh, yeah, man, Dolphins are one and six. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, exactly like we expected. <laughs> I thought Jake was going to say it, but guys, you know, it, again, I say it every podcast, but without you listening, without you just showing that you care, there would be no us. So thank you so much for that. Thank you for always listening. Again, if you have any comments or questions, reach out to Jake on Twitter, reach out to me. Hopefully this week is much different. Hopefully we're not coming on here tomorrow and, you know, a trade just happened or some crazy shit. Let's just give two of the rest of the year and let's see the way this thing plays out. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Jake and Josh Show. I'm Josh Houts. That's Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you next time. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins.